Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 66 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. We have a real treat for you today. I have got Kayvon K on the show. Kayvon, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, SD, I've been listening to your podcast for, for quite some time now, and I love what you're doing with your podcast. I love that you're taking entrepreneurs who have, who have made it, you talk about their story, but the twist you put in there is you also talk about the struggle they're currently having. And for me, there's not many people talking real, the authentic way of, you know, what real business is, whether it's a, it's a fortune 500 company, which we know have many struggles currently. Right. And, or a future startup business that, that might've gotten to that pinnacle of their, of, of what they wanted to call success. But it's still, we all every single day go through struggles and I just love listening and hearing all about that. I am so glad. Thank you so much. So guys, you can already tell that Kayvon is a master of sales, which he is um, a master of sales and closing and an expert keynote speaker, creator of the One Call Closer methodology is a titan in the industry, okay? From being Canada's number one pharmaceutical sales representative to creating a multi-million dollar coaching program. Don't you want to know how to do that? Kayvon has a vast range of skills centered within the art of sales. His ambition, drive, and confidence has led to his domination in the industry and his world-renowned abilities. And as a man of perseverance, determination, and drive, Kayvon continues to challenge the status quo and overcome adversity, turning tribulations into pure motivation. I like that blurb. <laughs> well, you know, my... Um... My story is, is you know, I, I always underplay it. I always get in trouble when I always say the typical underdog story, but it, it is. It was the underdog story. And I, and I think entrepreneurs, especially people, uh, uh, you know, pave maker, pave wave makers and, and people, the visionaries, they, they are the underdogs, right? Because they're the ones that, that stood out, right? The, the square and around peg. Totally, because um, we're not, we're, none of us are built for that, classic standard Western school system. No. So I, I agree with you. I think most successful entrepreneurs struggled in school because of the exact same reasons they're, they're successful later in life. And the same reasons they would struggle in a working environment, right? Yes. The school <laughs> environment is the same working environment, which we might as well just talk about that because I think it's always, it's a great part of the story is that when I graduated, finally got through, like, so growing up, I was written off by the age of grade one. Oh, wow. Had, they, yes, no lie. They, they, uh, they labeled me with ADD, ADHD, LD, every DHD letter in the book there is. <laughs> you know, learning disability in reading, writing, math, and communication. Let me, let me, wow. They said, you have a learning disability in reading, writing, math, and communication. So, so they're like, let's just institutionalize you because, like, you're done for life. Well, yeah. I was like, well, what's left? Phys ed? Like, what? <laughs> I don't got a learning disability in phys ed? And, uh, and, and so it was a struggle, you know, like, you know, moving forward, it was, it was just always struggles so when I finally, finally got through college and university. And I mean, there were, it was not easy. I'll just tell you that much. It was not easy. Um, I was all excited, ready to go to the work, like the workforce and, 
And, and I went out and I got my first sales job because I always wanted to be in you know, business kind of sales. And it was at a, actually, believe it or not, it was at a marketing agency. Um, and I started on Monday. On Wednesday, I gave my papers. <laughs> Friday was my last day there. <laughs> I could not, I could not believe it. Like it was like, I, and it's not to take away from anyone listening. I, it's just the way that my brain operates, the way that I operate you put me into a room from 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., I am destructive. You don't want me there. Uh, and, and for me, it was the opposite. I mean, I was done everything at like 1 o'clock. And I'm like, hey, can I go home? Can I beat the traffic? Like, can I go play on my dirt bike? Like, why am I sick? <laughs> and the fact they made me have to waste my time sitting there at 5 was just, I, I can never do that. And that was, I, that was the first and last time I will ever and have ever worked in an office. I hear that. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. Then what, how did you end up in sales? Did you go straight from there into sales? Like what was I, that? I love that. No, I started in sales at an early, early age. My uncle grew up, my uncle actually owned a, um, a local furniture store, high-end furniture. So he would take me on Saturdays on the weekends. I would go and sit with him and watch him. Literally, I just watch him sell and I watch him communicate and, he, because he was the owner of the store, my eyes, he was like my hero. He looked like the, he looked like a rock star. Everyone would always come in and, and ask for him. And he was always doing deals. And I kind of was always kind of around that. And I loved that. Um, so then as I, as I was going through school and everything, and I was getting that first job where most people are working at like the Tim Hortons. Yes, I'm in Canada, right? So the Tim yeah. Hortons or AKA the Starbucks, okay? <laughs> uh, Canadian right? Starbucks. Or the McDonald's, right? I, I was like, that's not, again, that's not what I was. I, I went and worked at Aldo. <laughs> Aldo cool. Shoes, right? Okay. And, uh, and that's kind of where my career started. And then I got, uh, and then I moved my career into, I was heavily involved in the skiing snowboard industry, hard mm -hmm. goods industry. So I, I worked in a retail shop. Then I got into repping. I was repping for some of the largest uh, ski brands in the, in the world. And then I just kind of stayed in that. Um, the kind of sales kind of role. And I worked with real estate agents. I worked with mortgage brokers. And then my finally, my final corporate career, I call it was in my, uh, is in my thirties, early thirties when I was the number one pharmaceutical sales rep in the world. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. Can you tell us sure, a little more I said about in the world? <laughs> sorry. I, I got it. Sorry. I said in the world in Canada. In Canada. Okay. Canada is still a pretty big yeah. place. That's still really impressive. Yeah. Um, what, you working for a specific pharmaceutical company? Like I was, yeah, I was working with the largest generic company globally. Okay. That's why I said the world because it was the, the, the globally. Got it. And, uh, and I was there. I was there for five years. And by time, so here's what I always say to you know, in 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 a position like uh, like pharmaceuticals or medical devices or anything that that that's a full new industry. I always tell people for you to think that you're going to be number one in the first year is like it's not to say good luck. It's it's not realistic because it takes a while, especially in these kind of industries, to build the relationships. Relationships are not built overnight. To understand the terminology, like I've never went to, like the last science class I took was in grade nine. <laughs> I failed grade 10 science twice. They just gave it to me so I'd get out of high school, right? So people think, oh, you must have known science. I didn't know anything. I, I still to this day don't know what I was selling, but what I knew <laughs> yeah. what I was really selling was I was selling relationships. Because I know people do business with people they like, period. And as a salesperson, as a closer, as a business owner, 
even as an employee in a working environment, it's your job to create a, an environment of safety and trust if you want to excel in your career, if you want to excel in your business, right? So I, 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 I got that at a very young age. At a very young age, I realized that people do business with people they like, and if they like you, they will trust you. They like, they know, they trust you, right? Marcus, they'll like, they'll like, like no trust factor, totally. Right? Yeah. So, so for me, I say to people, in, in, if you want to be, if you want to be the, you know, if you want to be in the top in year one, that was my goal. By year two, I wanted to be the best in the company, in the, in the company. And by year three, I wanted to be the best in the country. Well, by year one and a half, I was best in the country. Wow. So and, what, what did you do different than anybody yes. else? Like I get that everyone says, you know, relationships, like no trust factor, but you seem to obviously have cracked that code. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you so, do? It was very simple. I, I love, I, it was very, very simple what I did. I knew that every rep was going into the same, you know, right, in the same pharmacy in this case, having the same conversation, asking, selling, all of that, just, just pounding, hounding, hounding, hounding. And I knew that I was competing with, so I was coming into a market of what I call like a legacy market where there's only, there was like 10, 10, 15 reps and they all been their dinosaurs. They were dinosaurs, right? You, you were and the youngest, you I were was the new the, guy on the block. I was the new guy on the block and let me tell you, they hated me. They hated <laughs> me so much, my own reps, and I hope you're listening because I know you did this. My own reps would meet our competitor reps and try to figure out how to get me out, take me oh, out. Oh, wow. Because that, that is it, intense. It is, because I'll tell you why. In that industry, and I know it is, I don't want to expose it too much. When they're dinosaurs, they don't even need to leave the house. They just pick up some phones. They don't work. They don't work. They're like retired, right? Because they just rely on the relationships. And I knew that. So, and I knew that if I came in heavy and strong, it would be, a, it would be hard. Yeah, and I would know that the pharmacy owners, the ones that I'm selling to, wouldn't take to that, especially coming from Ontario. So New York, we were talking about, right? That's hustle bustle. That's a whole different energy. When I came to BC, I had to play their game. So I knew that, right? It, it's about having self-awareness. It's about being able to understand your environment, knowing, having empathy. So what I did, because I don't want to stay here too long. What I did was very simple. For the first year, I outworked everybody. I actually would ask the farmers, how long, you know, when was the last time you saw your rep? When was the last time you saw this rep? Just out of curiosity. When do they usually come? They, and well, they come every six to eight weeks. Okay, I went every three. Oh, wow, okay. Right? So I outworked everybody. But not only that, oh, I can deep dive into this because it was just smart. I had, I had over 20, 225 accounts. That, that is service. so many. That's a lot of accounts, right? 225 accounts. But most people don't know the 80-20 rule. Right. They don't teach that in school. Nope. But I was reading my books. I understood the 80-20 rule. So I literally put up all my customers onto an Excel sheet, put all their sales up, all their market share up, and their opportunity to buy more up. And I narrowed it down to the top 50. And what I did then was take my yearly budget which was 15 million at that time. And I would break 15 million into the top 50. Meaning if anyone outside my top 50 purchased for me, that was my bonus, baby. I just need it. And all I did was service the top 50 like they were my family. 
Nice. And all I did for the first year was go in and say, I don't want your business. I just want to learn more about you. Aww. And then when I got the numbers, <laughs> when I got my numbers for year two, guess what I did? I didn't go to, the, to my number one and say, I want you to buy everything. I was smart. I said, listen, I just got my yearly budget. As you know, it's my job. And, and I think, you know, we've been together for a year and I think you want me to succeed. We want to build this relationship. Do you agree? And I want you to succeed. So here's what I need to do. Instead of me trying to buy everything from you, that's not fair. I want you to be able to have other reps and competitors in case we go on back order. You shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. Would you agree? Do you think any business owner, any salespeople talk like that? No, they don't. They're like, my, 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 my. I said, so I said, all I need you to do is buy X amount of dollars. Well, I knew what X amount of dollars equated for my top 50. So if all my top 50 did was buy those X dollars per score, I made my numbers. Well, guess what? I went and spoke to everybody in year two. I went and spoke to everybody on the first two months, uh, January, February. By, by, by March, April, I had already made my numbers and I was working one day a week. Nice. I figured it out. But did out. you mean it? Like, was it genuine or was it disingenuous? No, it was, it was, it, I, it, I definitely meant it because, because again, it's relationships and it's long-term. And I knew that. And at that time I thought maybe I was going to be there for life. So I wanted to, it was a game plan too, right? Because if I asked right. for it all in the first year, where do I go year two, year three, year four? I can't go. I got, I got to go now open up new accounts. I don't want to open up new accounts. Right. These 50 will keep you floating at one day a week work at the top of the line. And being, getting all my max bonuses and everything out. Right. So I wanted to make sure, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't growing too fast. And I wanted to create that. Like my, here, yes, it was disgenuous. You know, when I met my customer, when I said I was working one day a week, that means I was driving around to their stores one day a week. You know what I was doing every other day a week? <laughs> I was traveling with them. I was playing golf with them. I was, I was, I was meeting them for dinners and lunches and everything. I like, there was one account I have till this day. I haven't been in it over now five years. I still meet the pharmacist uh, once a month just to talk. That's awesome. Because you never know. I like that. You never know. You never know. You never want to burn bridges. And I see so many reps, they, they just leave the industry and they just, they cut all their ties. And then I see some reps have to come back with their, their tail between their legs. I never mm. want to do that. Now, I love that. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, especially you, you obviously have like this very strong personality, this emotional sales personality, this relationship building. And uh, I know that there's such a bad rap for people like that. Yeah. Um, and and I, what I want our listeners to hear and realize is that you can have genuine emotional sales too. Like you can be this emotional salesperson who really cares about your people. And that is playing the long game. Well, yeah. So here's the thing. You want to be good. It's all about your commission. You want to be great. It's all about the mission. When we leave. Ooh, that is such so, a good line. Right? So it's not about, I always tell people, listen, it's not about your commission. It's all about the mission. Right? It, it's, it's not about having to get it right. It's about getting started. Okay? Wow. And, and the reality with this is this. Is, and, and any great, I'll tell you this. You know this, Esky, because I know you lead like this. Uh, any great business owner knows when you lead with the bottom line as your primary force, you will have struggles. The business will never work. When you lead with service, the monies will come. Totally. But if your focus on trying to make the monies and try to make the revenues to make the income, 
you'll never be able to live in that world of creativity. Creativity comes a world of abundance. Abundance gives us the freedom. Abundance gives us the harmony. And most importantly, when we live in that side of our world, we are in line with who we are. And thus, we, we project, right? Because what do we know about sales? Bottom line, number one, doesn't matter what anybody else tells you. This is the fact. This is the reality. Here it comes. Close your eyes, Mrs. Champ. Here it comes. Sales is a transference of feelings. Period. Ooh. And sales is a direct reflection of the person inside. So me. So if I'm not in harmony, if I'm coming out from a place of, I just want your money, that will resonate. That will come off that. I will project that consciously or subconsciously to my prospect. And I will go home wondering, why didn't I make the sale? Go home wondering, why couldn't I get that one extra little thing? Go home wondering, why couldn't I create a deeper relationship? I love that. That is super deep. And a hundred percent spot on, obviously. That's amazing. And I think so many people forget that and they do. They do exactly the opposite. They look at sales as the deals and the closing ah, and yeah. the money instead of the value, right? Business is an exchange of value for value. If you focus on the providing value, the money's a byproduct of what comes. The money is always a byproduct of the service that you give. 100%. I, said, I think it was Jim Rohn that might've said this uh, or Jim Collins actually. Your income is a direct proportion of the problems you solve. As a salesperson, you are a problem solver, not a problem creator. You, you need to see the future. You need to see problems before they become problems and be able to offer and give them the solution to the problem. See, a lot of salespeople are trained to create the problem create a problem that isn't there because if you create a problem, then there's an emotion involved and then you tie the emotion to the end result and boom, you got a sale. Sure. That's going to make you good, but I don't want to be good. I don't want to be average. I didn't get up today and say, you know what? I'm going to have an average day. And I'm going to get to my average car, go for my average lunch. And when I get there, park to my average parking spot. No, no, no. Average is for average. I don't want to be average. I, I don't live my life to be average. I live my life to be extraordinary. Why be, why be ordinary when you can be extraordinary, baby? Come on, right? So now you got me going. No, but you know what? I'm serious about that. So I don't like to just try to find a problem. I actually try to find a, a, a problem that doesn't even, that, that's going to happen, you know, future problem, a future agony that's going to happen. And I try to solve that for people because nice. that's how you win the game. But if they're not feeling it now, do you sell it to them by explaining the prediction? It all depends, right? I mean, each problem is different and it all depends. But yeah, I would sell, I would say, okay, let's, what's going to happen in the next two to three months from now? If you continue going down this road, if you continue okay, offering yeah, this, exactly. what, what, what's, what's going to happen? Yeah, we do that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you could keep doing this. Like we do a lot of marketing, right? So you can keep throwing spaghetti at the wall. Some yeah. of it will stick, some of it won't. And at some point, your feast or famine cycle will eat you alive. You'll go look for a job. Yeah, <laughs> like well, that's all happened. You said that line one or too many times. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think yeah. I said it just now the first time. 
Yeah. yeah. Exactly like that. Like different pieces. Okay. This is so fun. Um, one second, but I want to jump because you did the pharmaceutical thing. But yeah, I, yeah, we now now talk different. I want to yeah. understand this one call closing system, this multi-million dollar coaching <laughs> empire. Like, what's going on over here? Yeah. So I want to. I want this. Is this is the most important thing for anybody listening? Um, if, 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 if someone's in, hasn't made that leap yet to entrepreneurship, or they might've made that leap in there and they're struggling. After I left the pharmaceutical world, I, I just, I thought I, I knew I needed something more. I knew working one day a week was fine, but I wasn't living my dream. I wasn't living my greatness. And I definitely, most definitely, now I look back, wasn't in harmony with who I really am. I was just doing it because it was, you know, it was ego money, pharmaceutical. Ooh, I'm so cool. I jumped into the internet marketing world, the online space, because uh, I just saw, I saw it, like I just saw it and everything, you know, every, and I got caught up in the marketers, those damn marketers, right? Learn how to make money overnight, learn how to do this, learn that and do that. And I got caught up. I thought I had a competitive advantage because I was like, I got some money backed up behind me, right? I, I had a, I had over $200,000 behind me to, to invest in this. Wow. In one year, I was $150,000 in debt. Oh my gosh. I was, I was literally a day away from being bankrupt. I went from making 300 grand a year to losing $150,000 net worth, negative $150,000. What did you just pour it all into Facebook ads? Like what, I, where'd you no, pour it? I poured it into being okay. So I bought my first $8,000 course. I'll learn how to take, you know, your, your business online. I poured it into a, a Facebook guy. I poured in all these people promising me in the world, not giving a shit. I poured in the fake gurus. I poured in the fake programs. So I paid them into, into fake, not great programs. <laughs> I paid them into, <laughs> I paid them in, I, I, I invested just, I was just investing blindly. I was trying to buy my way out of a problem instead of sit there long enough to find a solution. And I was now, when you operate, this is what I was talking about. When you're in financial debt, you become, you can become, you get into urgency. <laughs> you become desperate. And when you operate out of desperation, when you're operating with urgency, that's the vibe, right? We're a direct reflection of what's going on on the outside. And we got to change what's going on, on the inside. Well, I could just kept making the inside worse. Right. And then you and were attracting the same losers. as you I thought. was attracting the same losers. <laughs> I was doing the same thing. And boom, I'm $150,000 in debt. Until, wow. I met, until, I, until I met a mentor at that time who saw what I was doing and said to me, Kayvon, you're not a marketer. You're, you're not an influencer. Wait, what gives you the right? You're a sales guy. Go close high ticket offers. Instead of, instead of, instead of trying to be the influencer, go close for the influencer. And I, and, and I, and I said, what? I didn't know. I was new. I didn't know that there was a world of high ticket offers. I didn't know that there's coaches, consultants charging five, 10, 15, 20 K for their packages. So for me, I love it because you can imagine, like, I know what my strengths are now, but back then I, I knew it. I didn't want to identify it. So I said to myself, so I don't have to do social media. No, I, I don't have to do Facebook ads. No, I don't have to deal with click funnels. Copy. <laughs> no, I don't have to write an email ever again. No, the influencer does all that. Oh my God, sign me up. Now what people don't know, and I, and I, and I, and I want to make it very clear. The reason I went from $150,000 in debt to making $25,000 a month 
within the first month of learning this, it isn't because it was an overnight success. It was because I had two decades of sales experience. Right. I and you just got, tapped into your strength, which is always the place to operate from. I tapped in to my core genius. And when I tapped into my core genius, I exploded. I was alive. I was in harmony. I was in alignment. I was being my best version of myself. And I went to 25K a month, 50K a month, 100K a month. So then we looked, my business partner and I looked at this and said, we need to teach this. We need to teach this. Wait, wait, no, wait, back up, back up. Where'd the business partner come from? And how did you do, how did you make that money? Was that all commission based for the bigger influencers? Like what, what was it? Yeah, so, now? okay, well, I love it, I love it. See, I, 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 see, this is why I love SD Rand. I should have known, I should have known that I couldn't just roll over that. I apologize. <laughs> You're gonna you catch break that. It down. How's everybody else yeah. gonna know how to do it if we don't break so, it down? So I want you to, to just, to, you can just do the math in your head, right? So imagine, Imagine an influencer you're working with has a 10K product. Okay. And I take my 20 points. So 20 points, 20%. Yeah. That's 2K a in, call. In, in the commission industry, just for all the listeners, people say points, they mean percentage. Right? percentage. And, and, and in the high ticket world, they also like, you know, buck 20, 120K. Like yeah. they, they just take off, you know, all the zeros. And yeah. do it like that. It's just the insider language. Yeah. So, so on a 10K product, I'm making 20 points, 20%, right? Yeah. That's 2K a call. Right. I'm that's not to, a bad salary for 20 minutes or 45 or No, whatever. it's good. It's about 45 minutes. So you see, Esty's smart. You're a smart girl, right? It's not bad at all, right? So then you, you times that 2K, right? By, and now, and by the way, I'm in Canada, so I'm making 2K USD. So that's Ooh. an automatic 30% more right there. So that's $2,300. And now you times that by three or four people a day, five days a week, you're doing, you're doing good money. Because how'd you get in with these influencers? You just called them up, you're like, hey, I'm a really good closer. Want to give me a try? I like, love it. You know what? No, I, I just, I love it. You want to go down there? Okay, great. I asked, so I asked my mentor, where do I find these influencers? He's like, they're all over. Go on Facebook pages, you know, like for coaches and consultants. So I went onto a Facebook page that literally this, we, we, we stopped my business. So I'm, 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 I'm literally, my burn rate was twenty five dollars to $30,000 a month in my business. Well, what were you trying to sell? I know. Oh, my God. You want to know? Like, you want to hear? I do want to know. I want to okay. know why you flushed all this money down. I, I love it. So, so when I first found myself, right? So you know when we make that decision to jump. We make that decision to finally leap. We make that decision to give, us, or give ourselves a permission to go and do something different at the risk of everyone's disapproval. I knew for the first time in my life that if I was ever gonna achieve my greatness, ever achieve my goals, that I couldn't do it where I was. I literally had to, I, I stopped hanging out with all my friends. I love my friends. I said, I can't hang out with you. I called my mother, who I love so very much. And I said, mom, I can't have you calling me for the next year. I will call you when it's time, when it's right but I can't have you calling me. Okay, Bye. honey. I'll see you next year. Yeah. Okay, honey. I love you. You want to know why? Why would you do that? Because every time my mom calls, she would say things like, I just love you the way you are. <laughs> I don't love the way I am right now. Why are you wanting me to be who I am when I'm trying to be someone great? Or she would say like, I wish you would just be happy with the roof over your head. That, that stuff kills you as an entrepreneur. Like when you are in self-doubt, you're trying to go after your dreams, you're, you're unsure, 
You don't need your parents and your friends trying to hold you back. You need people who are going to propel you forward, not pin you down to your knees. So I knew that. I saw that. I was very clear that I had to do it my way. So because I had that, that transformation, I thought, it's my, it's my dream. You know, everyone goes, you go to that first self-development, I'm going to change everybody's life. I made every mistake every first development person makes. And I went out there and I try to be a life coach. I try to inspire <laughs> the world, right? So it was like, you know, my, my first business was Kayvon University, inspire the world. Then it was, then it was discover your greatness. Right? I love this. <laughs> and wondering, wondering why I'm failing. Who in the world, what in the world gives me the right at that moment, right when I just made a change to help people make that change? How dare I? Now, I learned this from my mentor. So I'm, I'm very confident when I look back and I say, how dare I? I'm very confident with that. So then that wasn't working. Uh, duh. So I thought, okay, well, I'm an ADD guy. And I actually did do a lot of work in my ADD, like how to control it. I turned what was once my fortress is in now my fuel. I turned my greatest weakness into my greatest strength, right? Okay. Which is my ADD, which is the truth. So I thought, okay, well, I know that ADD holds back a lot of people and a lot of entrepreneurs are ADD. Now in ADD, you have a lot of greatness because can you can do a lot of great things. You have a lot of different creativity and you could take on more than most people can. But that's also a huge negative because you also have a lot of holes in the business. Yeah, you're always biting off more than you can chew, building the airplane so, while you're flying, get missing a wing or two. So you're going to love this one as a marketer. Build out this beautiful funnel. Just this <laughs> beautiful, spend all the money building out a funnel, spend all the money on the copy, right? Boom. What did Kayvon do? Listen, oh, can I, I'm going all over, but I got to say this. I got to say this. I have to say this. If you're thinking about being a coach or a business owner, if you're thinking about having a course, don't build it. Sell it first, then you build it. My mm -hmm. biggest mistake was I was spending so much time building it, right? So this is now the second core, second thing I built to find out the market doesn't want it. <laughs> you're going to love this. You're going to love this tagline. Are, <laughs> are, it's so embarrassing when I think about it. Are you a struggling entrepreneur with ADD. Click here and learn how to. Well, guess who I was speaking to? All the people who had no money. Struggling entrepreneurs, they can't even afford the pot of pissing, let alone oh, people with no money. Five, 10K, right? I so love that, it. That's a failing business. So then I said, it's time to get to my roots. It's time to get online. And I still believe this, but I now know this is a passion project. <laughs> so then I wanted, I said, okay, where is there a need in the marketplace and where is there nobody at? And I thought, okay, high school students. Because when I was in high school, it was hard. Everyone ripped me off. I didn't have goals. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anyone tell me to read books. I didn't have anyone who, who knew that I had greatness, but wasn't helping me fuel it. They just kept taking it away. They were emptying my tank instead of filling it up. And I know till this day, there's a cave on in every classroom. Who's at being least one. Told, at least one who's being told that they're not good enough, being told that they're different and their dreams, their confidence, their conviction, their clarity is getting ripped from them. So my goal was like, I want to find every cave on in each classroom 
put them into a group, mentor them, and make them literally kick ass before they even graduate high school. Whether they want to go to college or not, that's up to them. But by the time they had graduated high school, they knew exactly where they wanted to go, how to operate. They knew how to sell themselves. They knew how to perform. They knew how to win. They knew how to work hard. They knew how to outsmart everybody. And they had all the tools that school didn't teach. So I called it Epic Life Academy. <laughs> Which I'm, I love it. I love it, right? And it was like awesome. epic looks, epic grades, epic smarts, epic whatever, right? And then we go to Mark, so we build it again. So this is the third one. Wow. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?